Hello you lot, uh, welcome back to Glittering a Turd. Today, oh man, I really needed today's chat because I'm currently at my house, but I'm going to be heading over to the hospital soon to start a brand new cancer drug. I'm going to be having an IV chemotherapy, which involves many hours in hospital. And it's a big change for me. There's things that I've just been listening to and hearing in today's turd chat with Annie Price that I I think have really helped actually. She says some really interesting things around how these painful, tricky times in our life can help clarify what really matters and what you really want and what you really don't want. So, I mean, I have to say that doing this podcast has helped me really work out so many things about living with cancer and the day-to-day of it so I'm glad that you're here but really this this podcast is very much helping me so I don't I don't want to babble on anymore it's not about me but I hope you enjoy Annie's wisdom and her fortitude and and her give no fucks attitude I just I think she's brilliant um, and I think you will love her too so enjoy very happy to say that today's guest is presenter and fitness trainer Annie Price. Uh, you may follow Annie on social media, so are already totally aware of how great she is. <laughs> you might already benefit from her many pep talks, words of wisdom and all things on all things resilience, courage and confidence. But you may also not know Annie. So I'm happy that I get to share her with you all today. And for Annie to share what turd she's bringing to the table today. Hi, Annie. Thanks for being here. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for that lovely intro. Made me feel very uh, wise, which I I, I assure you, I don't know if I am. You are. You know how, like, every now and again, you think I really need to curate my Instagram, like, feed a bit better and really fill it full of people that really do, like... I I feel like you have everyone's back. When you talk to your audience you really feel like you're there to pep them up I hope that someone on your feed does that for you too because I really feel like it doesn't matter what people might be going through as soon as they hear what you've got to say about a life situation I think they'd probably go oh right and he says this do you know what I I genuinely really appreciate that because so many people will say oh you know can I have some advice on this and I just think Mm. my advice isn't so insta perfect and you know social media friendly you know, like mm. I just say genuinely what's helped me. And it's not always, I think, the cute, memeable one-liner. You know what I mean? So I actually really appreciate that. Thank you. I think sometimes this shit doesn't have to be packaged up in a neat little, um, beautifully framed little Instagram post. I think it's more real the way you talk, actually. Which is why I follow you, Chris, to be ah, honest. I like well. it. I like that we get... And I love that you add in a very happy mix I think people think that when people go into a dark place or things are difficult, that is the only emotion that lives there. When in reality, you can be scared, nervous, upset, frustrated, Mm. and be appreciative of some aspects of your life or love some certain things. I think that people forget or don't even know if they've never been in the situations that we might have possibly been in. Not suggesting we've got the same things, but that two, two emotions can live at the same time. Absolutely. So before we get to the point of like, I want to ask you like why you feel that way and how you got to feeling that way about life things. I want you to 
share what your turd is, please. Oh, my turd. Okay, so I feel like I'm I'm fortunate enough to have enjoyed many a turd, actually. <laughs> but I think that... You're I just greedy, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just so greedy. I'm just so greedy. No, I think what it is is I am very good at getting things wrong as well, you know? Uh, for me, I'm going to say this one because I think, although it's probably not the, the best one to say, for me, it gave me a lot from it. I got so mm-hmm. much from this one. So... When I was growing up, I obviously looked different. I was burnt in a fire when I was four weeks old. My birth family are travellers. I'm not sure if many people know about travellers and gypsies, quite a nomadic bunch. We've around a lot. Kind of close-knit, really have their own kind of tribe almost, you know. Anyway, my mum was white, my birth mum, Irish, and her husband was white. And then I came out black, which obviously put her in a very difficult situation. Everyone thought then, four weeks later, when I turned up at hospital burnt, that she tried to kill me, which is obviously a horrible way to grow up for any anybody. No one wants to think that. Um, and then unfortunately in my files, I was a child of a state for a while, obviously I was in, put into care. It did sort of state that my mum had tried to put me up for adoption before the fire. So, you know, it does all point to that she didn't want me. But I don't hold any anger towards her because she was super young. She was only, I think, 17 and I was her third child. You know, it's outrageous for me to even think that. And I know from the research I've done and the things that I found out from some of my blood relatives that she did have a very difficult life. So as I say, I don't hold any um, anger towards her at all. I think we can all agree that anyone to do something like that to their own child, you know, what kind of life would she have had? You know, who's around her? What, what, what support network? Like, she would have had such a hard time to come to that decision and think that that was actually an appropriate response to the situation she was in. So genuinely, I, as I say, I frequently think about it now. I think because I've got my own kids now, I think about her a lot. Um, growing up, I always knew I was different. You know, I'm not crazy. Uh, nine fingers, half a nose. I didn't wear a wig as well when I was a kid, so I've got half a head of hair as well. But growing up, I actually felt like we're all different. You know, I thought, blonde hair, you've got your blonde hair. You know, kids got red hair, tall, short. But for me, when I hit around 15, 16, that's when I was really like, hold on. My different actually could stop me having a good life. Um, I tried to get a job in a shop. Took my CV in there. Now, if the shopkeeper or anyone would see my face, they would get really uncomfortable. I would get really uncomfortable. So I said I didn't get the job. Uh, and I knew that they were hiring because my friends would say, oh, you know, there's free space here. But no one ever hired me. Now, the reason why I say this is like a turd, if you like, is because I just suddenly felt like, oh, my goodness. It's all very well not looking pretty by social standards. That's one thing. I don't, that doesn't even essentially bother me in, in a lot of respects. But actually thinking I cannot earn a living because of how I look. You know, I can't then take responsibility for my life. I can't mm-hmm. have a family. And then it made me think, what else can I do? You know, am I going to be able to have a relationship? Am I going to be able to make friends? Am I going to be able to get the job that I actually want? You know, I didn't even really care much for the job at the time. I just wanted to earn some cash. Like... And it kind of just made me feel low in that really horrible way that it does. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, it wasn't like the movies. It's not like I got turned away and my life fell apart. It was just that slow scratch at you on the back. And as I say, like for me growing up, I got a lot of, uh, you know, attention. 
most of it not great. For instance, if I go into a coffee shop, the waitress wouldn't address me. They would say to whoever I was with, what does she want? Thinking I had some sort of mental disability as well. Obviously, people would point and say names to me in the street. Don't get me wrong, I still had school and whatnot, had a great Mm. time. So it, it, it kind of balanced itself out in some ways. But these things that didn't necessarily get to me really started to bring me down. Mm-hmm. And as I say, it's like that horrible domino effect. Yeah, because I guess until that point, you were like, I can live my life perfectly well with, I'm okay with how I look, other people's issues, whatever. So what you're basically saying is the way you looked certainly somehow then affected how you could live your life. Yeah. That must have just been such a deep sinking realisation that something that you cannot control mm. somehow is making other people control you but remember as well this is all from like a hormonal teenage eye when i mixed together all that mixed together so i do believe that no matter you know whether i was burnt or not or whatever Mm. i would have picked up some kind of issue because that's you know it's called the rite of passage of being a teenager (laughs) but i think that obviously looking at it through those eyes hurt and i think that for me i just felt like Oh, like frustrated and I think that's the worst thing because I was I've always been super sociable really enthusiastic love life love going out with my friends really bubbly and so that just really kind of annoyed me and it gave me that kind of slight edge of grrr and I did get a job in the end but I did care working which ultimately was wicked I absolutely loved it but I felt like all my friends have jobs in shops and I'm working hidden away in a care home but as I say how I kind of got through that if you like because as I say I do want to drill home that this wasn't like a cute movie one line you know this is one of those things that it just sort of snowballs some days you feel Mm. worse some days you feel okay um but finally i kind of realized that hold on you know no matter whose fault if you like it was um i just finally realized it's actually my responsibility to deal with it when lose or draw it's your it's your lot to deal with and i know that sounds really dark and this is what i was going saying about the social media and some of my memes aren't great because i think that like for instance i was chatting to someone the other day and they were talking about you know we're all beautiful and i kind of sort of piped up in the end which i don't often want to i said well actually we're not all beautiful some of us are ugly but you know what's the shame in that like you're not going to have a bad life because you're not the most attractive person do we all need to be beautiful do we all need to be smart do we all need to be the most sporty absolutely not the world we're moving in right now is going into a direction that i i can't quite fall in line with and as i say going back to what i just said then is that it's not it might not be fair but that's the responsibility and it's the same as you it's not ideal your situation but whether you like it or not it's how you approach it how you deal with it is is really how you're going to change your life and that's actually really freeing and so it's not until as you say you get older that you look back and think actually that's quite a blessing that happened in some ways because now I approach most other situations in a different way I mean you you, you're so quick to say and I'm so impressed by this that you you don't hold on to any anger is it taking you some work to do that or how do you decide that straight away because no one would hold it against you if you were a little bit pissed off. Fair, fair. No, I, I, I don't. And I'm not saying that in a fly in the flag. I'm really lovely and altruistic kind of person. It's just, remember from my aspect, I grew up yeah. believing it. I grew yeah. up this whole story. And I've been so lucky. Like my social workers and my adopted mum. So I wouldn't call my adopted mum, but for all intents and purposes, I'm calling her my adopted mum here. They shaped the story in a way that it was like, my mum was unwell so much so that as a kid I was like oh she's unwell you know can we 
invite her over and we'll look after her. You know, like I genuinely, mm. that's from a kid, you know, I said that was like six or whatever. And mum was like, oh, not that kind of unwell. She's unwell in her head and she's making these decisions. So it helped me understand from an early age, it wasn't you evil woman. It's what the hell is your life about for you to be making those decisions? Um, and as I say, there would have been a part through my teenage years where I didn't ever want to meet her. So when I say I didn't hold grudges, it's not like, I don't hate you, let's be friends. I was very clear on I don't want to, I didn't want a relationship with her, you know? Like even now, if, if I had the choice to actually meet her, well, I probably would now, but I think throughout until my late 20s, I probably wouldn't have, because the way I saw it was this this woman didn't want me for whatever reason, whether it's a good reason or not, and I don't believe she didn't like me, she didn't know me, it was a child, it was a, it was a problem for her at that time. It doesn't mean I then want to chase to be part of her life. You know, they don't want me, mm. I don't want to be them and yeah. you know what it's like you, you actually have a life yeah you didn't know any different you brought up with your amazing adopted family and yeah. why would you go why would I go back exactly you obviously made a couple of documentaries about you know your um, story and in one of them you went back to kind of try and understand what happened were you aware that your mum had died before you made the film or what did you know before you kind of explored that I knew I did know my mum had died because my it was actually in the paper. You know, she was a little bit younger than my my adopted mum had thought, but all her details, how she looked, all the things that had gone on in her life was in there. And she died a really yeah. tragic way. She already lost both of her legs in an accident, and then she died in a fire. And my mum had left the papers out, hoping that one of my older brothers or sisters would have said, you know, oh look, Annie, this looks like your mum. She didn't want to go out of her way to tell me, but she went to go, like, oh look, it's right there. She said she left them out for literally like two months. She was even like, oh look, there's a story about this lady in a fire, but you know, she was like, you just just generally didn't care. And I was like, I don't want to stop her. So I knew yeah. I didn't know she died, um, and I I knew I had a uh, like one blood relative that I wanted to speak to. I think the only reason I really got in contact was because even though all the years everyone would always say, oh, you know, what, you know, do you not want to find out about your past? I was like, I've got my own life. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll be good to know, but at what cost and what effort and what energy? And also I didn't know what they knew because I knew that certain people had grown up believing that their dad was their brother and things like that. You know, I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't know how it would be received. But it just got to the point where I thought, if I don't do it now, I won't do it. And, you know, a wonderful production company and the BBC had said, like, they'll support me through it. And I knew that that opportunity wouldn't come again. You know, having that time, that money, that effort to actually see that kind of adventure through. Because I knew that if I found out certain bits of information, I, I would probably want to pull back and, you know, hide a little bit. Whereas I think that when you're with the team, you know you're going to keep going. Even though you want to stop, you're going to keep going. And, that, and that's essentially why I did it. And I'm so glad I did. Um, and I did, I found out I had some siblings and I found out what happened on the day of the fire. I got to meet um, the fire, one of the firemen that were there on the day. And we're actually still friends now. We still see each other. Um, so crazy. Mm. Like I, I genuinely never, I never believed I would, I would ever find out. Yeah, it's crazy. And it's such an like mind blowing story. It really is. And you also found out that it was maybe your um, birth mother's mother that potentially saved you from the fire. Is that right? It is. Yeah. It is right in the documentary. That yeah. is what came out. But as um, yeah. the years have rolled on, it it it's not as um... clear cut. No. You, so you live with these question marks, and that's okay because ultimately you have the life that you were given now since pretty much the day you were born. So let's focus on your turd a little bit more. 
So it was around your teenage years, you realise, okay, life might treat me differently because I look different like everyone else does, but for some reason. Um, you got a different job, you found the job that you were able to do, but then how did that this manifest? How did the, the turd carry on within your life? And then at what stage do you think, no, I'm going to control the situation and I'm going to change the narrative? It happened slowly. The reason why I keep saying this is because I always hear other people's stories and I think that there's a bit of a winner's bias going on and that people want it to be a cute one and done situation. But it's just not really how it happens for me, certainly anyway, and it really unfolded. I didn't rush to change everything or I just rushed to, to feel good. I think that's probably the best thing I've ever done in that when I don't feel great, I'll want to feel good in that moment. Whereas I think a lot of people try and hurry to fix the decision and I think genuinely that if you try and fix a decision off of the perspective that you have when you feel really low it's going to color your solution so they're probably going to be bad solutions basically and you're probably going to make rash decisions and you're not going to see things you know you're not going to see any positivity whereas I was fortunate enough to be young and so I just wanted to hang out with my pals I loved sports I used to do a lot of trampolining and gymnastics and and I think that just changed the perspective just looking at something when you're in a slightly better mood and then, as I say, it allowed me to sort of learn that, you know, this one area could be not great, but this area is great. I've had excellent friends. My friendships are amazing to this day. I love my my um, relationships. And so I sort of kind of focused on that. And then I came back full circle and I was like, right, what can I do? And my mum worked for herself. Like, right, that's a possibility. How can I do that? What can I do? And again, one of the things that have always helped me to feel my best is movement good old-fashioned get outside get some movement mm. in have fun and so I just sort of slowly built a little sorry I'm going off in a circle but there's no other way to do it because I don't want people to think that I jumped into this wonderful perfect way of seeing things it was literally one step at a time trying different things looking after myself movement hanging out with friends having a good time and then when I come back to a problem with that perspective then I could see that not everything was that bad and that's when it allowed me to go hold on you know, I think I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to try this. What do I love doing? And this is one of the best things about pain or like a difficult time is that it really clarifies what you actually want and what you don't want. Mm -hmm. It makes everything really clear thinking. I didn't then, like other people, for instance, like, oh, I don't know what job I want. Do I want to be this or do I want to be that? I was like, I want to do what makes me feel really good. And at the time, it was, it was definitely I want to be in sports, so either a personal trainer and I want to be a writer because those are two things that I really enjoyed because I knew that, no matter what goes on around me, if I've got joy in these ways, I'll be okay. But if I did a job or did something I didn't like, I would really, I would have suffered. Like I really wouldn't, I don't think I would have survived. And I don't mean that. I understood the importance of feeling good in here. People always think suffering is really bad. And I'm not suggesting I want anything. And I'm sure you're the same. You don't want any of the things that you've gone through. But it allows you to see things in a different way and it actually gives you something. It's almost like it completely switches the focus, doesn't it? It does. And some things just become non-negotiable. I think we make, we make excuses for, well, it doesn't matter because that thing that's pissing me off a bit, oh, it doesn't matter. But somehow those things do matter when life has taken on a new meaning like it has yeah. with you and for me too. Yes, I love that you said non-negotiables because that's literally how I live my life. Like there's a, like daily I have non-negotiables with with my health. I have non-negotiables mm. with my work, the things that like top things that have to be done, feeling good. Like for me, I have to get outside 
you know, I don't need to work out in the gym for two hours, but I need to step outside even for 10 minutes and just go for a walk and take a deep breath. That is just my non-negotiable. I don't wait until I feel bad. These are just dailies, what has to happen. And as you say, like you just know where you can say the line. I don't know, I just feel like I'm, ble- I'm I genuinely do feel blessed in that manner. Yeah, because from what I can see and hear is that you're so acutely aware of what is right for you and what's wrong for you. That's a bloody good skill to have because um, so many people don't have that. Oh, I don't know, I feel um, like we can all have it. Yeah, we all have the potential to have it, but why does it have to take something so shit for us to really <laughs> prioritise that? So true. Do you know what I love? Is that you love walking. I love walking. Yeah, and uh, um, I think sometimes people think, oh, fitness has to be such an extreme. Um, if you're going to do it, you may as well run a marathon, and I think, fuck that, because it's like... Some people just really will never run a marathon and that's okay. But walking is great. It's so underrated. And I love that you said that because I just think there's this massive disconnect at the moment where it's either I don't do anything or I must be this fitness person that trains six days a week for 90 minutes in the gym, weighs every ounce of my food. I'm like, no, no, no. There is also this healthy lifestyle, which I personally don't think should be an aspiration. It should be something that we all do a space it's like cleaning our teeth a little bit of movement you know get your fruits and veggies in hydrate a little bit it doesn't have to be at eight gallons of water either you can have a glass of squash treat yourself unfortunately whilst the fitness industry is good and i do hope that i'm adding to it and that people can follow me and go oh yeah you know i do want to live a healthier lifestyle but i do think the healthy lifestyle has been colored into this weird extreme lycra wearing macro following and it's like have an awareness of what you eat this is what i want to always share with people but potentially do something that you can do daily i i love the gym i love working out and until a few weeks ago i had a key to two gyms that i could use any time i still didn't go <laughs> you know what i mean i'm not gonna beat myself off about that i don't want to do it mm-hmm. i go for mm-hmm. a walk i play with mm-hmm. my kids i'm active and as you know like we want to look after your health you know you don't need to be good at the gym you need to have be good using the gym so you can have a good life yeah, and I, and I think, for, I mean, movement for me, and I think oh, I'm so obsessed with that word movement rather than exercise because I think exercise is so much more daunting for, for a lot of people and it certainly has been for me. But I think movement, um, if you're ill and you feel like a part of you is broken, if a part of your body feels broken and, um, and, and not fixable, like movement helps you realise that you're not completely broken and that there might be things that you can't do, but there are still so many things that you can and I hate that you're not told that when you're given a diagnosis of whatever illness or whatever thing. Um, there's always such a big focus on you can no longer do this. But what about flipping that and saying, hey, but there is, but you can still do this. Mm-hmm. I hate that I had to discover that all for myself, but equally glad that I did. And I think you are totally helping people to understand that too. Mm. It's so important. It's a little and, and I think what people don't, I think what people really should realise is that you're starting a line of communication with your body. If Even if it's failing or um, it's finding something really hard, that's the, your body's telling you something and that's a really great thing because that's a really good line of communication that you might not have had before. It's not a bad thing. What or where does your mind go when you don't get that sort of endorphin release of, from exercise? That's a really great question because I twice in my life there's been a big time where obviously more but when it was not planned or i didn't know i um 
So around the time I found out about my family, I developed really crazily asthma. I couldn't breathe. My doctor was like, you know, you got to start running for a bit, take it easy. And I just felt like, oh, this thing, this little crutch that I used to have to go and run, and I couldn't do it. And then at the same time, after I had my second daughter, I, had, I think I probably had a bit of postnatal depression. I was a bit low. I really wanted to again train and move, hence why I created this World Women Club. Well, I'll come back to that. But but I ended up being in, uh, I had a twist, had a really bad tummy ache, and I had an emergency operation on my stomach, and I nearly died. I had a twist in my intestines. This time last year, actually, August time, I was bed bound, 14 days, tubes everywhere, couldn't eat, drink. And it was just like, oh, and I, as I say, yeah, I do feel trapped. If I can't move, that's my thing. Um, so for me, that's where the whole sort of journaling comes in and the thinking positive thoughts. And when I say positive, I don't want people to roll their eyes and think, oh, here we go. The burnt girl telling us about positivity. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not saying it in that way, guys. Like. <laughs> When I say positive, it's I think it's more of a decision, you know? It's a it's a choice. We we're gonna come at something with the best attitude that we can. And that doesn't necessarily mean smiling, running around all the time. It's saying to myself, right, you know what I'm gonna do? Because I've been having a for instance, if I've had a difficult time, especially, I'll go, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start when I when I wake up, before the day hits me in the face, I'm gonna dig out the morning worries by thinking of two things that I appreciate either in my life right now or something that happened yesterday and it can be as small as I love my bed I love the fact that I only had to get up twice in the night for my kids you know or I can't wait to have my cup of coffee just that little pause and awareness that creates that gap for me helps me kind of feel like yeah I mean I'm 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 in I'm in the driver's seat here I'm gonna think about my day I'm gonna have an intentional day you know what I mean so I think that when I can't exercise it again I hate to admit it because it was two horrible things that happened but uh it was good for me because it forced me to be a bit more introspective I'm very good at going oh I'm gonna get my trainers and go for uh, outside to get away from my pick myself up um but no actually having to stick pens to the paper is good and especially if you've got something recurring like if you've got a thought that keeps popping up, even if it's silly and you know it's silly, like, oh, I'm stupid, I can't do that thing, I can't ever do that thing, or, oh, you know, this, or just some niggle that, even if it's ridiculous when you say it logically, it's obviously still hanging around inside you because it keeps popping into your head. A pen to paper is really good at just saying, you know, is it true? Why do I think that? Would I say that to someone else? Would it, you know, and actually going around in circles. So I think that, yeah, if I don't have... um exercise for the for the quick ones i sit and do a little bit of work that usually has to be done or uh, and this is my newest one i think this is a blessing the kids have given me is i just sit and look at a brick wall chris obviously (laughs) i tell you i literally make a cup of tea and i'll just sit and i'm genuinely just like i just want to sit and just leave me everything just leave me alone i'm sure it would be meditation if i could do it but i i just want to sit let me stare at the sky or let me just well, that is your kind of meditation yeah let me just do totally... nothing that's yeah. that's helped me loads to slow down yeah. i think I, I my nephew's two and a half and my sister would i mean she would find that the ultimate luxury just to sit and stare at a wall it is so i totally see that um i think yeah i think people see these positive moves as huge huge things and actually it's the little things that can make these massive differences 
if anyone's listening um lying in bed like just think you're lying in bed you've got a great bed those I, I love that I love those two little positive things that you can think about um because I've totally been I've totally got myself in such a headspace where I feel like if I haven't achieved certain things in the day that I really like I feel so bad and I feel so guilty and then I'm so glad that sometimes I'm so lucky that I have a great Instagram following or whatever and someone will remind me that rest is an achievement and that I've still done something positive for myself that day even if I haven't affected anything else it's so um, true so true um uh, you're so wise <laughs> I love talking to you oh you're being too kind what is well woman club tell me about that well woman club so well woman club I created it last year um, I think it was a long time coming really but um so during lockdown I just had a horrendous time like everyone I think had difficult mm-hmm. times in some ways and for me it was just more about um like I knew growing up with how I look over the years people always open up to me and so I'm glad obviously of that I'm glad that I can help but some of the stories I've been told over the years are just so bad because like they're so bad like the abuse that people have had of their mm-hmm. from their parents from you know their husbands from just this horrible all these different things happen and I think that like I just said to you like I was churning all these thoughts you know I was in lockdown I was thinking oh my god you know I'm okay but think of other people that are in lockdown and they're getting abuse from their parents or their partners or and I just felt locked into this crazy and I couldn't do anything I was pregnant I just felt really like helpless um and then I created World Women Club which raised money for action for children uh yeah I went to raise money for action for children and uh the Case by Foundation you know Case by her foundation has helped me lots with my hair my wig and I just wanted to give back because obviously over lockdown everyone lost lots of money and I thought rather than just say oi give me your cash I wanted to give something so I said please sign up I will give you free training and you know nutrition help and I'll do lives and all my knowledge that I have and I'll get all the people I know that you know psychiatrists and therapists that can share loads of wonderful tidbits like CBT and just loads of little things that can help us feel great fitness food and mood and please donate whatever you can and I had a 50,000 pound target but then three weeks in I my stomach just basically twisted into a knot and exploded so I nearly unfortunately nearly nearly died which is you know crazy um i think that's what you get when you call something well woman club i was asking for it i was saying hey look i'm really well you ain't gonna be well yeah Yeah. i know it's like calling your cat lucky right um (laughs) so i yeah that happened but i still raised thirteen thousand, which i'm really proud of and then after that i obviously just really enjoyed it and so now i've decided to continue and i do sort of a hybrid of one-to-one a group training as we were just saying i think everyone thinks that it has to be this six days a week smash your workout when actually i genuinely want people to understand the basics so they can improve their life and realistically we all know the information you know we can go on the web we can search Mm. calories we can search a session there's so many free workouts out there but it's actually applying it it's actually finding ways for it to fit into your life because i find that people always go oh you know i would do it but i've got this holiday or i would do it but my kids said that oh i would do it but i've got this thing and it's like your, your your bar is too high drop that bar have some non-negotiables like we said earlier that are a lot mm. lower say to yourself yeah. what's what's the base that i could do you know if the world goes crazy can i still go outside for 10 minutes can i still have two pieces of fruit 
and an extra portion of veg with my dinner? Can I have two glasses of wine instead of a brewery? It really is just saying like, what can you do? And that is what sustainable change is. Again, over lockdown, it just kind of pained me to see all these transformation pictures. And, you know, it's not impressive to lose weight quickly. It's impressive to feel your best, have a lifestyle that gives you energy and you're happy and you understand the nutrition and what you're eating. Yes, I absolutely totally agree. Yeah, stripping so. it back to the basics, like they can, they're huge wins and they're li- they're little things, but they're huge actually. Yeah, huge. Um, well, good luck with that. I'm, I really hope that goes well. Thank you. I just wanted to ask because um, I heard you talk in another podcast actually about um, your son Sonny, and now that he's old enough to understand, well ask questions about so many things right I'm sure mm-hmm. you get all sorts of questions about all sorts of things um but he asked you about your scars and then he said like oh, you obviously wanted to understand why he didn't have any but obviously you have a, a little girl now and one day Lenny will ask similar questions and will that will your answers differ because she's female and she's living she's growing up in a hard world <laughs> like how have, have you thought about that at all no, I mean, the answers won't differ. I'll always go for the truth, which, again, can be a bit harsh when you're telling a child, you know, I tell them age appropriate. I wouldn't say my mum intentionally, but I said my mum couldn't look after me and there was a fire and sometimes things are done not altogether on an accident, you know, so I tell them everything because I don't, I think when you try and later do the big reveal, they'll be like, why did you lie? A lie insinuates something was wrong or bad. I think you need to always be open and I want that back, you know, so I feel like you have to, it's a two way street, you have to be open and honest. Um, but with regards to Lenny, I think that I just, I'm a bit more aware of how I talk about myself and how I, how I look. Cause sometimes for instance, I'm like, Oh, I think I'll wear makeup today. I think I, you know what I mean? I was a bit more, Whereas because I've got Lenny, I, yeah, you're right. I think I do purposely, I would never, that line, I wouldn't talk like that, you know. I don't like her, but same as my son, I don't want him to hear those sorts of things. I mean, I'm not the sort of person that would say, even if I have, I wouldn't say, oh, I feel fat, or I've put on weight, or I've done this. I wouldn't be in my, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't speak about myself like that. But, yeah, I think I'm more aware and I'm more proud. Even if I'm out in, you know, like right now, no makeup, my hair's all scratched back. Like my chin's head high and I'm having a conversation I'm not going to be like oh Sam can you run to the shop because I actually don't want to get out of the car I wouldn't do that so I purposely now always no matter how I'm looking and that's again why I train I want them to see like we go for my son's like oh I don't want to I don't want to play sports today I'm like it's fine you don't have to do your sports but you have to get outside for a walk because like cleaning your teeth you get outside you know so I'm for me I'm like we must do you know you must be proud of yourself you must appreciate what you have um, but you don't have to maybe love every inch I'm not really on board with that I don't want to hide in front of her. I'm sorry, Chris, that's such a long answer. But... <laughs> no, I think that's ultimately, um, I think that's great. And I think you probably already had learned so much from your own upbringing about, you know, what beauty means and 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 how to show up in the world, no matter what you look at, look like or who you are, where you've come from. Um, she's already, I mean, I think she's already winning having you as her mum, oh, to be honest. That is the nicest thing. I really hope so. If you had one sort of, one key learning from either your turd or your glitter, the glittering glittering of said turd, what would it be? Okay, I'm going to just say this one because I think that it's what leads people into 
being authentic, doing things that they really want to do, it's the need to slow down and have some alone time and like some introspection, however that is for you. Which I, sound, I know that sounds super vague, but everything kind of comes from that. You know, like it's when people move too quickly and I'm not saying pointing the finger, I'm saying with my hand held high, because that's me, is that's when, not mistakes are made, but you miss out on life. You miss out on doing the things that you really want to do because you're doing a hundred things you don't need to be doing. You know, whereas when you slow down and you make intentional decisions that allows you to actually enjoy whatever you're doing, you can get swept up in things and then you lose the point. Like, what's the point? If you're just ticking boxes and you're just doing the next thing, the next thing. I think if you don't spend enough time actually contemplating why you're doing what you're doing, and I'm not talking about that, what's my goals? Who do I want to become? It's what feels right? What, what am I good at? Do I want to do this next thing? Do I need to do this next thing? Um, yes, I'd say slowing down. It allows you to actually make mistakes as well because you realize actually <clears throat> the mistake that you made isn't, you know, when you sit down with it long enough, you can go, actually, you know what? I made that mistake because I was tired. I shouldn't have gone out anyway. I probably should have been focusing on this. I should have been hanging out with these people, not these people. You know what I mean? It all kind of comes from slowing down and being quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the one thing that I would have liked to have told myself growing up. Because mm-hmm. you couldn't have said, Annie, stop drinking. Annie, stop going out. Or Annie, <laughs> don't do this, that, and the other. I was like a wildling. But if someone said, add slowing down, I think that would have allowed mm-hmm. me to to contemplate things a bit more and 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 enjoy what I'm doing. No, I think that's great. And I think I think I need that reminder all the time. So thank, thanks for planting that into my head. <laughs> so. um, uh, and then one thing, it can be tangible, something that you, an item of food, a piece of clothing, a picture, a piece of art, or a situation, um, a place um, that has helped you to see your turd from a different perspective and help you glitter it. A cup of tea, a cup of tea. tea. I mean, honestly, tea. literally, kettle on, making the mm. brew, the tea bag, mm. the water, the ritual yeah. of stirring, yes, the consistency of the milk. Oh, I love it. Oh. Holding it, that is for me. Yes. That is it? Love that. Okay, we're now going to hear from Fiona about how she glittered her turd. Hi, Chris. My name is Fiona, and I live in the Lake District. So my turd was COVID, <laughs> and it's probably a big turd for everybody. But um, two days after we went into lockdown, my mum got diagnosed with lymphoma, and I was pregnant with my third little boy. And because of the chemo, I wasn't able to see my mum or hug my mum. So that was fun. Anyway, so I had our baby boy in the August, and then my mum was not allowed to touch or hug him because of the kind of chemo and treatment that she was on and then my husband's dad died very suddenly and out of the blue as a result of all that and this is just a massive generic glittery turd situation but I feel like every single time I see my mum now and every single time she sees my children we make such a huge deal about the fact that we can hug and touch and make so much more effort to to see each other and I feel like a very generic outcome of COVID but 
I don't take that for granted anymore and I feel like every time I see her is the biggest celebration to have her here and to be able to hug her and touch her and for her to be around my children because that is a definite glittery side to the turd that is being diagnosed with cancer in COVID. I love that so much. I love that so much. I mean, I don't, it's sad, but that is remarkably wonderful. How, how uplifting is that? Mm-hmm. And this is what we're talking about, isn't it? Like when it you is. live close to the bone and you get to touch that, that void that is scary. And we always think that it happens to other people, but when you mm-hmm. get to experience that, that's what the change is. What a constant reminder as well. I think, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've witnessed so many people almost forgetting what we've just been through and going slipping back into their norm, their life from before COVID. And um, they came out of COVID thinking, I'm never going to not appreciate this anymore. And I'm really not going to take this for granted anymore. And I'm going to really appreciate the people in my life. But like, I know I get it. Life happens. But Fiona, this is like a remarkably like in your face reminder of what happened and to mark that with a celebration every time she sees her mum and um I think what a glittery wonderful outcome from all of this because it would have been very very hard to imagine that ever happening at the time and then it does and I think it's a bit like we were saying earlier about like it does refocus things doesn't it it refocuses things and makes you um decide what you no longer allow into your life and what no longer serves any purpose so it's not it's not welcome um yeah I'm glad about that and and I'm glad that we got that reminder that because I think I don't know we have been through some absolute shitball bags situations and here we are here we are showing up Annie thank you so much for sharing your pep talks with me um I feel so re-energized after our chat um and i i truly i really hope that you understand that you create that every single day for people um and keep that shit up because it's wonderful i really appreciate this i really really like this thank you so much for listening i feel like i just yeah i overshared almost but i really a lovely space speaking to you thank you so much for having me here and yeah look forward to actually meeting you in person at some point That was just so good. And I'm going to ask you guys, obviously I don't know your answers, but I'm just going to ask you anyway. um, What are your non-negotiables? What is going to make you slow down? Make some time for some introspection. When are you going to make some intentional decisions? That is what I'm leaving for you. That is my task for you today. Thank you so much, Annie, for sharing your turd and all the glitter that followed and your really amazing perspectives on life reminding me how important movement is again i feel like i'm getting that reminder quite a lot at the moment thank you also to fiona for sharing your story thank you you guys for listening i really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and if you did please consider leaving a little rating on the app whichever app you're listening on Um, and maybe share the love tell other people to have a listen as well it might be really really helpful for them it might be just what they need to hear right now and on that note have a good day I'll see you soon